Hello, everyone. It's Kennedy with the Keeping Up with Kennedy podcast, the show where I live my life at warp speed and see if you have what it takes to follow along. Throughout our journey together, we'll learn what it really means to dream without fear and live without limits. So sit down, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Okay, so you guys all saw a very emotional side of me on last week's episode, and now I just want to have some fun and show you the content you can come to expect from me on this podcast. I've been mapping out my content and planning the next few months, and we have some very exciting things coming up for you guys. I am going on vacations to three different states, starting with Georgia, as you may have noticed from the title of this week's episode as well as moving to LA all within the next month. So brace yourselves, everyone, and buckle up for the ride. Please keep all hands and feet in the vehicle at all times. It could get a little bumpy on this ride. If you are having a drink while you're listening to this, which is always encouraged, please make sure it has a lid or some other safety mechanism put in place. Okay, so why the heck am I in Pendergrass, Georgia? Well, my beautiful friend KP got married this past Friday, and I wouldn't miss her wedding day for anything. Uh, KP and I met during my junior year and her freshman year of high school on a trip to Argentina where we were roommates. I'll never forget the time we broke our sink and it just came shattering down, porcelain everywhere. Or the time the toilet got clogged and we had one of the dad chaperones, I think it was Emily Curry's dad, Uh, He came and unclogged it with a stick that he found outside. Like, he just knocked on our door and was like, I'm ready to plunge it out with this stick. (laughs) I won't expose who clogged said toilet, but knowing her and her personality, I think she'd be fine if I told you guys. That trip to Argentina was also where I got locked in a bathroom stall somehow and had to independently scale a 12-foot, probably about 12-foot wall, at least double my height, Uh, with my feet on either side because there was no crack at the bottom or on the sides. It was just like a big concrete box. Like you couldn't get to like the ones beside you or like the wall went all the way up to the ceiling and was just stuck. There was like a little rectangular gap at the top that I thought like that's that's the only way I can get out. Good thing I'm small and can like fit through this little little rectangle basically. So a little backstory. I always get up pretty early, and of course none of the girls on the trip were up yet because they're high school girls. And so I was just outside with a few of the dads hanging out, you know, eating some bizcochitos at like 6 a.m. And then I went to the bathroom, and when I went to exit the stall, the lock wouldn't budge. Like, I tried everything to get that thing open, and I was stuck. I was crying out for help, but no one was coming to the women's restroom because they were all dads and outside. So I had to fend for myself. So once I scaled the sides and got up to the top of the stall, I had to jump to the ground from the little rectangle at the top of like a 12 to 15 foot drop. And I swear to God, I had broken my knees from the impact of the fall. That day was pretty rough. But you know, the next day I just hopped right up and carried along. Young people, am I right? So anyways, I met KP and got to know her on that trip to Argentina, and she is the kindest, most genuine, bubbly, loving life of the party. 
Last summer, I went to visit her in Georgia, and we had quite a wild time touring all the wineries in Dahlonega with all her friends. Her husband, Jack, is her soulmate and treats her like the angel she is, and I could not be happier for them. Their wedding was exactly the fairy tale that you would expect it to be. Okay, one other quick thing about being here that I need to rant about are rental cars. So I just got my first rental car on my own, and I'm 24 years old. And I wish rental car companies could just look up your driving record, buy your license number, and charge you based on that versus solely charging you substantial fees for being under 25 with a perfect driving record. I mean, aside from all the parking tickets I get, but that's a topic for another day. Like, why am I getting hit with a young renter fee when Danny Kay from across the street who's nine months older than me with DUIs and ticket, doesn't have to pay any extra. Is that even how it works? I'm very new to this whole adulting thing. Like I said, I just bought my very first rental car and for some reason it was $300 for two and a half days and I was a little upset about it. Now my journey to get this rental car was also a little unconventional. So there was a storm while we were flying into Atlanta that knocked out the power at the entire airport when we had gotten there. So the airport was running on the generators, but none of the garages for the rental car places were working. So I just had to get an Uber to my place that night and then another one back the next morning to finally go like actually get my rental car so that I can drive to KP's wedding, you know? And so the Uber driver I drove back to the airport with in the morning, he was so much fun. He had a bunch of candy bars and snacks ready for me in the cup holders in the back seat. He had just moved here from New York and thought for some reason the Airbnbs around here would be like $700 a night, to which I was just like, do I look like I'm paying $700 a night for that place? and he wanted me to check on uh, my app to see what it would be if he wanted to stay here tonight in Uber. And uh, I found a private three-bedroom modern home for $50 a night that night, um, for like tonight. And I watched him download the app right then and there while we were driving. We were like stopped at a stoplight, of course. And he made me promise I wouldn't report him to Uber. And then I tipped him $4 on a $10 ride. He was so interested in me. Like, he had so many questions. And then out of the blue, he just goes, do you exercise? And I said, well, sir, I'm almost a physical therapist, so I'd hope so. And then when I told him I was 24 and almost a doctor, he couldn't stop telling me how proud he was of me that he would never have expected that in his wildest dreams just by looking at me from my outward appearance. And I just kind of smiled and said, yeah, I get that a lot. Okay, so we have gotten the rental car, we have made it to the wedding, and we are now at the wedding where it is time for our first ever guest. Please give it up for Grayson Jones. H. Yep. Yep. There you go. <laughs> I, can, I can keep that for you. All right. So uh, I know you from high school. Uh, we didn't really talk, but once I found out after you graduated that you wanted to be a physical therapist, I got your Snapchat from Caitlin. And then so we've been talking ever since. It's been like five years now almost. And uh, I know Caitlin from high school. Her dad's in the military, so they were stationed uh, in Washington. So she went to our high school for three years, and we've kept in touch. We've been best friends ever since. 
and now I'm at her wedding in Georgia. And my girlfriend, Krista, I know her, I've known her since probably kindergarten. I wasn't friends with her till high school uh, when our friend groups kind of merged together. But after that, we became best friends. Uh, we've been best friends all of high school. And we started dating freshman year of college after she had rejected me in high school. Uh, <laughs> it, took her, <coughs> it took her a year to, to, to like me back. But after that, it was smooth sailing. So yeah, we're going on three and a half years. And I'd say that the biggest thing that sets Krista apart from other girls for me is that when she does something, there's no ulterior motive behind it. It's always genuine. She doesn't ever expect anything in return. You know, she's always there to listen. She's always there to help. Sometimes, you know, when you need an ear, when you just have to rant, when you have to rave, when you have to complain to somebody, she will be there 100% of the time, no matter what she's got going on in her life, she's there for you. And to me, that's just something that you don't see very often. You know, people are quick to, to shut down and not want to listen to other people's problems, but she's, she's always ready to listen. She's always ready to help. And she's taught me to be better at that, to be better at listening and helping. And that's probably the, that's the thing I love about her the most. So I had asked Grayson to kind of briefly mention how he knows me and how he knows KP, just, you know, for the pod. And then I asked him to explain to me why he loves his girlfriend, Krista. And I think we kept this a secret from her. So she has to wait until this podcast drops to hear it. I'm not going to talk much. I'm actually not introducing the wedding party. We have a special uh, top secret that I'm sure you could guess. MC duo that wants to do the introduction. So we're gonna do that in just a moment. And um, basically, if each of them makes their way in, we need you all to just make them feel like absolute rock stars, and then we will welcome in Caitlin and Jack. So, you guys with me? Awesome. This is like a powerful echo. It's gonna amplify all our energy. So, um, so if you haven't already, there's something for the hands, but please find your uh, seat, and we'll be welcoming them in in uh, just a moment. Thanks.
Okay, y'all, so I literally started crying when I saw KP's little brother walk up the aisle as a groomsman and how grown up he had gotten since I visited them while her dad was stationed in Australia. Um, all the groomsmen and bridesmaids walked up individually, then the families walked back, and uh, when, it, when the ceremony was over and all the grandparents were walking back, they were just going so slow with their canes and they were all dressed up in their big formal gowns just looking like celebrities like taken in the scene it was so cute so then they let the audience leave row by row and greet the bride at the groom at the end of the aisle when they were walking on their way back to the reception and they had food trucks and a wood-fired pizza oven and they actually did this really cute thing i think it's really cute um so the first time he saw her was when she was at the end of the aisle like they didn't do the first look pictures or anything before the wedding started so i thought that was really special and i think you know i might be stealing that someday this day really truly was a fairy tale i know so many men of quality character that are my good friends including my friend kp's new husband jack but in terms of dating for me uh i'm known to be a little bit of a savage and also to be a little too much too fast. One thing I have learned is that a lot of men just never grow up. <laughs> um, I'll give you one quick example to kind of bring that point home. There was this one 30 year old MBA student that I went on exactly two dates with. You know, the thing you'd think the big 3 0 would knock some sense into him, you know? But uh, so our first date was pretty average. I had an okay time and he really wanted to go out again So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? But during our second date He wouldn't stop asking me if I did drugs at festivals and just like all these things that I didn't really do or care about and I felt like I had moved on from these things and I thought we had all matured past that point point. <laughs> But apparently not and so i was just pretty bored and like over it by the end of it so at the end of the date we realized we parked in opposite directions from the brewery we had met up at and i told him that i could make it to my car alone just fine uh when he started trying to walk me to it uh and then uh, so i still had my mask on from when we got up to leave because covid like to go back into the building to pay you gotta like wear your mask you know and so he takes his mask off when i'm like trying to say goodbye and looks like he wants to kiss me right and so i just look at, up at him like all wide-eyed acting oblivious keep my mask on and just give him a little wave goodbye a little five finger salute as a salutation you know like sayonara bucko <laughs> And see, the thing is, I knew that I never wanted to go on another date with this man. So my method was to make this as awkward as possible of an ending so that he wouldn't want to come back. And it worked. I never heard from him ever again. Thank the Lord. So I feel like that gives you a pretty accurate vision of how my general dating life has gone and, you know, the caliber of the men that are lurking in... The area, you would think there would be a lot of potential, you know, but <laughs> sad to say, nope. Uh, so I'm not currently dating anyone because I know that I have been in love with the same person since I was 16 years old, and I know that I always will be. Um, 
he is currently deployed overseas right now and i am waiting to see what happens when he get gets back to the states uh, and if that doesn't work out, I know that I will be okay and we'll just move on to the next one, you know. But right now, I want to protect my heart and give him the respect he deserves from me and show him that I'm serious this time. Now, we've been on and off really since high school and I was the one who ended things abruptly this time. Um, I know that I don't deserve to have him back, and I don't expect him to take me back um, after the way I ended things and the way I treated him. I wouldn't want to talk to me either, and um, much less even be my friend at this point. Uh, so I don't really know why he's talking to me right now, but maybe he just likes getting to vent to me about his feelings to my face and for me to just take it and smile and say you're right <laughs> no but i i do actually think i know why he's talking to me right now um because something i've learned countless times over my 24 years on this earth about love is that love is a very powerful and a very magical thing uh, in its truest form it won't make sense to the world the definition of magic is the power of apparently influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. And if a love story like ours ends up working out the way I hope it will, I have no doubt that some mysterious, spiritual, supernatural forces are on our side for some reason. Another thing I've learned about love is that love does. Love shows itself through action from the tiniest letter to the grandest gesture. Despite what everyone else thinks, despite the odds, no matter how broken the trust is, no matter how high one person has built their fortress to protect himself or herself against the other, love is taking that castle apart, one brick at a time, at the other's pace, not, one, not your own, not one's own pace, and not for selfish gain. Love is patient, love is kind. Now, I can't even describe why I love this man so much sometimes, but that's what love is to me in a way. It's something I feel and something I know to be true, deep, deep down in my soul. No matter how many bricks I have to take off one by one, and no matter how long it takes. Love is really just that feeling when all you want in this entire world is for your person to be back by your side at the end of the day. Him and I were actually FaceTiming when I finally got to my Airbnb in Atlanta after the storm. Uh, and he was telling me about two of his friends uh, that he was talking to and how much they want to talk to me and grill me. And so one was a girl and she was apparently just going off and saying how much I don't deserve him, how much he shouldn't give me the time of day or something. I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, but I was just thinking and it was like, all this girl knows about me is this man's perspective of the way I treated him while I was also simultaneously dealing with the end of the toxic roommate situation that I mentioned in the first episode at broad length. <laughs> um, and I was dealing with her running around my apartment and him wanting to take things more seriously and 
When finals were finally over for a week, I finally just said enough. And I blocked him, I blocked her, and I blocked my roommate's best friend at the time. Um, because I needed to sort through my emotions and I needed to do that alone. And everything was just adding up on top of each other. And on top of all of that, I needed to figure out uh, what I was feeling because everything was conflicting. And all the while, in the meantime, I am finishing up the most challenging semester of a doctorate program, period, with MSK and neurofinals going on in the background. And I needed to study. I needed to put my mind in my textbooks and not on my emotions. I needed to buckle down and focus with all these people blocked so that they couldn't contact me and I could truly focus on my studies because this all was very distracting and I wasn't studying as much as I should have. And I would, I put in some like 12 hour days just studying. And for the sake of my future career, really, like I needed them to go away. <laughs> and so that was a selfish move on my part, I thought at the time. But now looking back, yes, please do not get me wrong. <laughs> I definitely could have handled those situations better with some simple, basic communication skills instead of one big one-and-done block. But I was so frustrated. And I had to do what was best for me at the time. I chose myself. And I feel like we're often villainized and labeled crazy for doing that. And But there's a difference between being selfish and choosing yourself. And maybe I was a little bit of both of those. I'm not gonna lie, but now that I know the difference, I know what to say no to and how to communicate and what to say yes to. So his other friend that he talked to uh, was giving him for my podcast. He's like, did you see your podcast? <laughs> Probably like rolling his eyes and laughing at me. Like I can, I can see it on his face right now and in his like mannerisms, um, <laughs> to which I responded with, I mean, have you seen his rap career on Spotify? I mean, ooh, I was there in Boise for months during the early quarantine days while he was just sitting around getting high and rapping in the garage. I think my podcast is just like a little bit more quality than that type of content. <laughs> and so Todd's response to my podcast reminded me of something my friend Heath, who I met in Morocco, told me once, and that is that if you don't have any haters, you aren't doing it right. So if you're not making anyone mad by what you're doing and how you're influencing them, you're doing it wrong. Nearly every single successful person in this world is subject to hate, whether that is online or in person or whatever that may be. And I think that's because this world is a jealous world. Everyone wants to be successful and no one likes it when someone you don't like ends up succeeding at something that you wanted first. And I actually, I read um, a Bill Gates biography once and the way he talks about his mistakes and his failures is just 
really inspirational. So I think I would definitely recommend that on Amazon if anybody wants to read that. So anyways, like I said, my ex's friends are being protective of him. And I mean, I would be too if I were them. I mean, my friends are protective with me around this man. They don't want to see me get hurt again. And his friends don't want to see him get hurt again. We've both cut each other really deep and left the other one broken, alone, and defenseless. And in the past, he has already done the work to get me back and I gave him a chance. And now the tables have turned and it's my turn to go up to bat. And all a lot of his friends know about me is the story of the biggest mistake of my life. And quite frankly, I would go so far as to say that's the only really big mistake I've made in my life. And if I only knew all of them by the biggest mistake of their lives, I would probably have some pretty choice words for them as well. But the thing is, we are not defined by one choice that we make, one circumstance, one interaction, where you come from, one, albeit very public and very aggressive, one reaction to disrespect. And I am here on the internet taking a stand and saying I'm not going to put up with being treated poorly anymore. This has been going on since the fifth grade for me and I am exhausted. Just let me live my life and if you don't want to be a part of it, then you don't have to be here. But I'm done hiding my feelings and experiences. I'm done putting walls up. I'm being vulnerable and open and letting people into my business because this is the business that just might change the world. So like I said in the beginning, until this man gets back, I'm going to channel all my extra energy into this podcast and into helping people and into radically loving people. I've always had way too much energy and this can get dangerous for me because up until this point, I have always let my emotions about my situation um, affect the way I channel my energy. And so when I get sad, I get really sad and depressed. And when I'm happy, I'm so happy and bouncing off the walls and I can't stop going and pushing to better myself and contribute as much as I can to society. So right now I'm kind of in this unknown territory of figuring out how to not let my emotions guide and dictate the direction in which I put my energy. I'm trying to contribute to society in a healthy manner while still maintaining my mental stability. And I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing, but I'm doing it and I'm doing something about it. Okay, so now I have another story to tell you and this time it's an actual story. Um, but right here, I must insert a warning. If your name is Sierra Walton, I repeat, Sierra Walton, please pause the episode here and skip to 31 minutes and 51 seconds. I want the story I am about to tell to be a surprise for you in the very near future. You will know about it in less than a month, so please, like I said, shift forward in the video to 31 minutes and 51 seconds. 
and you, I, I want to surprise you. If, if you end up listening to the surprise, that's fine, but I wish you wouldn't. I'm waiting. Okay, we gotta give her like two more seconds. Okay. So anyways, like I said, I had a story to tell you guys. My friend Sierra is having a baby soon, and while I was at my favorite store here in Atlanta today, um, I stumbled upon a book about Maya, Maya Angelou. It's like a children's book. Uh, it's called Little People, Big Dreams, Maya Angelou. <laughs> and so it's very easy to read. I read it in like two minutes and I just knew I had to buy it for my friend's uh, baby. And I want to read it to you guys now. So we're going to have a little story time. I also need to preface this with, I know the baby will not be reading this out of the womb. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, she can read it to the baby or something. I don't know. Little People, Big Dreams, Maya Angelou, written by Elizabeth Kaiser. Marguerite was born in the city of St. Louis, USA. Her brother called her Maya. When Maya was four, she and her brother were sent to live with their grandmother in Stamps, Arkansas. Growing up in the South, Maya was treated very unfairly because of the color of her skin and because she was a girl. The world outside was very cruel. Home was hard too. When Maya was eight, her mother's boyfriend attacked her. Maya was so upset, she stopped talking for five years. A friend of her grandmother's named Mrs. Flowers noticed that Maya was afraid to use her voice. Mrs. Flowers showed Maya all kinds of wonderful books and how words come alive when you read them out loud. Maya found her voice again in the stories and poems of great writers. She loved words so much, she read every book in the library. Even though Maya was a great student, she was told that she couldn't get a good job because of the color of her skin. But she had pride and hope. She thought, there's nothing I can't be. And she was right. She was a cook and a streetcar conductor. She was a dancer, a singer, and an actress. She traveled the world and learned to speak a lot of languages. At home in America, she worked to help all people get treated equally. It wasn't until Maya was all grown up that she decided she wanted to be a writer. So she began writing a book about her life. She told the story of a little girl who struggled through hard times but didn't give up. People all around the world were moved by her powerful story and her beautiful words. Maya became a famous writer, teacher, speaker, inspiring everyone with her belief that you can be anything you want to be. On the day B Bill Clinton became president, Maya read a poem. She had once been a little girl who was afraid to use her voice. Now, she was speaking up to the entire country about her favorite thing, hope. And that's it, that's the end. So as I was reading this book in my favorite store, I felt this calling in my soul. Like picture a Freaky Friday moment, but then you just like don't shift bodies. <laughs> I, I truly think that I was put on this earth to carry out Maya Angelou's legacy. 
And if you want to laugh at me or make fun of me for thinking and feeling that way, Todd, or anyone else for that matter, you can go right ahead. And as a matter of fact, I'd like you to invite all your friends over, get really high, and say it louder for the people in the back. Uh, I'm not messing around with this podcast. I'm done being disrespected. I know there are some people listening to this right now that are like, you you're the one that disrespected my friend. And I understand that. And I have apologized to him profusely. But I didn't just apologize. A true apology involves taking action to remedy the situation. A true apology is something you don't just say and move on. The time, an apology just marks the time where you start putting the work in. Like I said, I'm done being disrespected. I'm not tolerating anyone's shit anymore. And quite, quite frankly, I don't care what you think of me, and that goes for anyone. This podcast is a creative outlet for me, and if you don't want to be here, you can leave. I know what I want to accomplish by the end of this year, and I'm not going to stop until I get it done. I know who I am, and I know what I want, and I'm going to go see if I can go get it. And if I don't, then I know for a fact that it wasn't for me, and I'll end up with something even better. And anyone here who wants to judge me can do it, because that's more of a reflection of your character and of your insecurities than that of mine. So you can kindly go sit your ass down, take your head out of it, and do everyone a favor and do some self-reflection. Please and thank you. Ooh, yeesh, that sounded harsh. That that was my inner podcaster, uh, influenced, you know, by Alex Cooper and Miley Cyrus. Shout out to that episode again. Uh, not my inner Maya Angelou, uh, for all who were concerned about, uh, you know, that. Oh my gosh, my main story. I forgot. Okay, so back to my main story. Wow. Um, so a while ago, I had actually bought Maya Angelou's book called Letters to My Daughter. This was like last winter or spring or something when I was really struggling. And I was like, you know, like, let me find a book. And I saw her book and it looked really inspirational. And then I never read it. <laughs> um, it's now currently in my storage unit back in North Carolina, just because I never had the time to read it. And so I think I'll go back now and look into that once I am finally done here. And bottom line, I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to use it for good. And I'm going to use it to spread my favorite thing, hope, just like she did. So what I find the craziest thing about this book is if you look it up and you just look up the quick brief summary, it says, dedicated to the daughter she never had but sees all around her. Letters to My Daughter reveals Maya Angelou's path to living well and living a life with meaning. Told in her own inimitable style, this book transcends genres and categories, guidebook, memoir, poetry, and pure delight. And I've always had like this weird like sense with butterflies, like they're really attracted to me for some reason, and I mean, I really like them. When I was in undergrad, I actually worked in the butterfly exhibit, and I, um, it's kind of morbid, but we, every morning we would have to go pick up all the dead butterflies, and they would let us freeze them and take them home to, like, do projects and stuff, like, make shadow boxes, and I just had, like, a freezer full of dead butterflies, 
that I think my parents finally like threw out during one of their moves or something. But hey, I think next time I see some butterflies, like I saw some today, just today, like at the mall in Atlanta, they were all outside just fluttering around. Um, next time I see some, I'm just gonna think it's Maya Angelou, you know, sending down her little, little blessing to me. So I'm gonna think happy thoughts of hope. Okay, so I think it's about that time to wrap it up and talk about the lessons that we have learned. I think we've learned a lot of lessons today. But the main one that I'm going to take away from this episode is that it's okay to look in the rearview mirror while you're driving, but just keep in mind that you are still moving forward 60 miles an hour in the opposite direction. I mean, well, I usually go about 80, but like, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> Stay classy, San Jose. So with that, everyone, I'll see you next Monday.